Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro. This is our fifth episode, and we will be interviewing Sarah M. Chen, who is up for an Anthony for her novella, uh, Cleaning Up Thin. I'm joined for the uh, duration, uh, well, not the interview, unfortunately, but for uh, most of the rest of the show, by my number one first reader, and biggest sexiest fan, Christy Scalise. Woohoo! Sexiest number one reading fan. That would be me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you described me. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> number All right. one reader, fan, and sexiest. Those are the words I remember. I got a lot of notes about no more drinking wine before we record. Somebody's going to think it's a porno. Oh, yeah. Can you do a porno podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I do not know. We should try that. That might be kind of fun. (laughs) Might be kind of awkward, though. Oh, not as awkward as this conversation. (laughs) Uh, All right. So that is our very atypical introduction to the show. Uh, This is a show where most of the time we talk to... Uh, crime fiction authors about crime fiction, but also about life and anything else that comes up. Like I mentioned, Sarah M. Chan is our guest today. And um, who knows? This is radio. They could be, in fact, naked on the other side of the conversation, which, of course, leads to a porno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before this uh, becomes uh, completely X-rated, let's hear from our sponsor, and that would be uh, Down Out Books. Uh, here's Eric Campbell, the editor-in-chief, to talk to you about what's going on over there. Yo, Frank, this is Eric Campbell from Down and Out Books. And today I'm excited to tell your listeners about a few upcoming releases. A couple of years back, I saw Ed Kurtz read a story at a noir at the bar event and was absolutely blown away. I knew I had to publish something from this guy. Well, it brought me a great project, a collection of 17 tales of crime, murder, and vengeance called Nothing You Can Do. Bolt Action Remedy introduces us to a former Pittsburgh narcotics detective, Trevor Galloway. Galloway's been hired to look into a year-old homicide of a prominent businessman who was gunned down on his massive estate. He's convinced The killer is skilled at skiing and shooting, so he sets out to solve the murder that's full of twists and turns. The P.I. thriller was written by former special agent with the U.S. Secret Service, J.J. Hensley. These books are available for pre-order now. You can find out more at downandoutbooks.com. Frank, thanks for having me on the show. Well, thanks, Eric. Uh, Down Out Books is sure coming on strong, uh, folks. Um, I'm pretty proud to be one of the many authors that they have over there. Um, six Anthony uh, nominations for Down and Out Books uh, for uh, the Boucher Con in Toronto this year. So uh, here's hoping that they do well. Uh, also up for an Anthony is our guest, Sarah M. Chen. Her book, uh, her novella, uh, Cleaning Up Thin, uh, has been nominated in that category. Sarah is a prolific short story writer. She's had short stories at places such as uh, Out of the Gutter, uh, Shotgun Honey, uh, and the podcast Writer Types recently uh, featured one of her stories uh, in their uh, episode, a few, uh, two or three episodes ago. Um, so let's uh, find out a little bit more about Sarah. Well, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, Frank. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Now, uh, when we were chatting before the show started, I asked you about your middle initial, and you told me the, the reason why uh, why you use it. Could you share that? Sure. Well, when I first started writing, it was a, sh a short story that was being published, and you know, I was just going to use the name Sarah Chen, and I googled Sarah Chen, and this um, Taiwanese singer kept popping up. So I didn't uh, I didn't want to people to be confused as if they would but so I just put in my middle initial Sarah M Chen and then I just stuck with it and now now I like it there is Chen a pretty uh, popular last name yes it's very common you know in China and Taiwan it's it's like Smith or Jones if you go to Taiwan or China everybody's named Chen your uh, your novella cleaning up Finn has been nominated for an Anthony Award there at uh, BoucherCon, correct? Yes, it, yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> were you, where did you hear about that? What were you doing? Um, well, they, they actually sent us uh, emails um, ahead of time. I think it was, maybe it was a couple days before. So I think I was just on the computer. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything very exciting, but um when I read it, I was very excited, and I actually the first people that I told um, were my um, my writer group. And you got you, you that was before the the uh, official announcement. Yes, yes. So they they knew beforehand, although I probably wasn't supposed to tell them. <laughs> ah, you violated the BoucherCon rules. You'll. I did. <laughs> you will be punished in Toronto. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you'll be praised in Tor Toronto and, and, and win the award. Um, who, who, what are some of the other nominees uh, that you're uh, competing with? Well, they're friends of mine, actually, too. Um, S.W. Lawden for Crosswise. Angel Cologne for um, his um, Blackie Jaguar novella. Um, let's see, John Shepard, who actually also lives in the same city as me. We're neighbors. Mom's <laughs> um, wow, a small world. I know, I, and it's funny because we hardly ever see each other. I think we've seen each other once walking our dogs. And then Miss B.K. Stevens. Normally, I think she's a, a very prolific short story writer. And I think her novella was also nominated for Best Long story for the Derringer this year as well. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive. Yeah, Derringers are, are a pretty tough award to win, actually, with the uh, two rounds and the blind judging and everything that they go through. Yes, yeah, and I, I actually I volunteered one year to be a judge. Um, really? How many, yeah. How many stories did you have to read? I'd say between 40 and 50. So did you just judge in one category? Is that how they did it? Yeah, they divide it. You know, it's the uh, flash, and then there's the short story, and then there's the long short story, and then there's, they call it the novelette. Um, so I, I judged for the, I think it was the um, long short story. Uh -huh. I'm pretty sure I did that. Um, it was a f couple years ago. Um, but it was great. It was a great experience. You know, it was it was fun to read all the all the stories, and I did. I read every single one from beginning to end. I think we had a we had a month that year. We only had a month to do all that, and then I think just this year is when they first decided to extend the time you could read it to two months. Yeah, that's for the longer categories. That's got to be some some serious reading over a short period of time. 
Yeah, yeah, especially yeah for the novelette, I'm sure. A novella is a little longer than a novelette, although I've heard the two used uh, interchangeably at times. That's the form that you uh, went with uh, for cleaning up Finn. Um, did you set out to write it as a novella, or did you just set out to write a story and it turned out to be that length, and so that's what you ended up with, or how, how did that happen? I actually, it started as a short story back in... God, I want to say 2007 or 2008. It was, and it was for a, it was, I think it was an anthology call for, it was like the Ch Sisters in Crime Chesapeake chapter or something. They were doing an anthology call. So when I originally wrote it, I had set it, I, I set it in Baltimore for some reason, and I've never been there. Um, but you saw the so wire, so right <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't even seen the wire oh, so no. <laughs> um, uh, so I guess it was no surprise when it got rejected and then over the years I just kept um, tweaking it and changing it and resubmitting it and eventually and then I kept changing the setting and then I finally and I said it I ended up setting it up in, in Long Beach resubmitting it and then I had an opportunity with the publisher to um, write a novella and it was under contract and I so I remembered Finn and I thought you know I really I really like this short story I really like the character so um, you know I decided to just um, expand it and I wanted to go back to that to that story and that character so that's what I did. Some people might not be familiar with it. What can you know? Can you tell us what is what is cleaning up Finn? What it's a, who's Finn and and what's the story about? Um, so basically, Finn is a, a womanizing sleazeball restaurant manager in here. In, it's set in Redondo Beach and Hermosa Beach in the South Bay here where I live. And he, um, you know, he goes out with a different woman almost every night. And he ends up um, taking out this one young lady on um, one of his booze cruises, and it's actually his friend's boat that he uses. And then he ends up um, losing her, literally. Um, so then it turns into this massive search. It turns out she's underage. Um, so then it involves the police and her parents. They come out, and then a private investigator gets involved, and he just keeps trying to disassociate himself from her and, and from, um, from knowing her, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for him. He just, he just cannot make any right decisions. And um, so that's basically the gist of the story. <laughs> You've done a bit of restaurant work it looks like in your bio so did you draw on that I'm guessing yeah I um, I worked six eight eight years maybe or over over a quite a period of years maybe a little less than ten years um, in the restaurant industry waiting tables a little bit of bartending um, but mostly waiting tables in different different restaurants over the years so um, yeah I drew I drew a lot from that experience there's a particular culture in that in that service industry that exists, isn't there? Yes, you could say that. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's. Um, I mean, I, I it was a it was a definitely a very fun time in my life. Um, it was in my twenties, a little bit in my thirties. Um, I was still trying to figure out what I was doing with my life, and um, I had gone. I decided to go back to school to grad school. 
Um, so I just decided to, you know, wait tables to make extra money. And, you know, I did other uh, other jobs while I was waiting tables. I was a script reader and um, and I was also going to school and I was interning. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of a fun, crazy time. Um, you just all grow very close and um, you work together and then you go out afterwards together and um, you just, uh, there's, there's a lot of friends that I, I have that are close that I, I, you know, I'm still close with from, from my time working in the restaurant industry. Were any of them Finn? Uh, <laughs> um, well, he actually is, is very, and I want to, I want to highlight very, very, very loosely based on a former GM of mine who I actually really liked. I, I, I thought he was a great GM, but he did have a tendency to, you know, whenever you needed him, you just, oh, yeah, I'm sure he's draped over some blonde female customer, and sure enough, there he'd be. Um, so it just, I mean, it's just a very exaggerated characterization of of him. <laughs> well, Finn comes across as uh, one of those guys that if you described him just factually to someone, you'd say, what a douchebag. But if you know him <laughs> and are around him, he's charming. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, and you, 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 he's that forgivable scamp sort of guy, you know, in, 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 in interactions, but maybe, uh, you know, is that, am I anywhere close to what you intended or? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a very good characterization. I mean, I, I, I really like Finn. He's very close to my heart and, you know, some people didn't like him at all or just, you know, thought. He was just some horrible douchebag, but, um, you know, he, he did have good qualities, but yeah, he just, you know, he, he has his vices and he, he likes them a little too much. I, I liked him. I just, uh, uh, I also recognize that I, I probably wouldn't like him if like my sister was dating him or something. I'd probably be like, well, yes. I don't want that guy, you know, but if, you know, if, if he was a guy that, that you just once in a while bumped into and hung out with, you'd think he was the coolest guy ever, you know? Um, that's kind of the impression I, I got. Are, is there more Finn in the future, do you think? Um, I don't know. People, some people have asked, asked me that, but, um, I mean, as of now, I don't have any plans for a future Finn, but you know, you never know. I mean, in the very beginning, I didn't know he would be a novella. So, you know, never say never. So, you know, I don't know, but right now there's no plans. And you've written a bunch of, uh, couple dozen almost uh, short stories uh, that have been published pretty much all over the place um, in a mm -hmm. lot of well-known uh, online mags, uh, Shotgun Honey, Out of the Gutter, places like that. Um, I, you, you like the short form? Is that something you're attracted to? Yeah, I really enjoy writing short stories, um, what which about is funny. It? Um, I just like having the idea of a, like a full story in such a like small amount of time and space. I like the, also the sense of immediacy, of validation of a short story. You know, you write it and then you submit it and hopefully it gets published. And compared to a, a book or a novel, I mean, I haven't had a, a full length book out yet, so I can't, I guess I shouldn't compare it to that. But, um, you know, the whole process of having a short story out there is, is much faster than a novella or anything long in the long form. And I just, I like the challenge of, 
of having just, you know, a, a certain amount of time to convey your story. I mean, it's got to have a beginning, middle, and end. I just like to, I, I, I think, you know, like less is more, I guess. <laughs> Short story writing, I, I've always felt like really helps to hone your making every word work, you know, and, and pull its weight and that, that concise skill. I, re I read a short story today that is, I think, one of your more recent ones because it was uh, on your blog, a story about uh, T and his uh, oh. grandmother. Yes, um, Donut Dealer. Donut Dealer, yeah, Donut Dealer. You know, Finn's a, a male protagonist and T was a male protagonist. Um, is that a trend in your short stories or did I just uh, land on the couple that you wrote from a male perspective? I would say... Most of my short stories, or most of my writing, I think initially, especially early on, did focus on male protagonists. I think now there's a few more female, but for some reason, initially when I was writing, I just felt more comfortable. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess in the like in the male psyche, <laughs> mm -hmm. I felt like when I was writing female characters. I, I just, for some reason, it was difficult for me not to make them seem bitchy or, I, I don't know, I was I was struggling with it. So, um, I, for some reason, I've, I just felt more comfortable writing male characters. I'm not really sure what that says or what that means, but um, but now I, I, I think I, you know, I, I, from after that, since my early stories, I have written um, a lot more female protagonists and I do feel more comfortable. So I don't know if it was just, you know, a beginning writer thing or, or what. According to your bio, the novel that you're working on now has a female protagonist. I'm, I think, I mean, May seems like a female name. Oh, wait a minute. Here's the pronoun her. So I'm, I'm right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, that's a novel that I, I hope to have done by the end of this year. Um, it's one of them. You don't sound. <laughs> you don't sound very confident. <laughs> well, I because I keep pushing the deadline. Uh -huh. um, before it was BoucherCon, and now I feel like October is just around the corner. Um, so now because I'm, it I'm is. giving. My, it is. I know it's it's scary. Um, so I think um, I think so now I've I've pushed the deadline to the end of the year. Um, so yeah, it's it's something I've been working on for a while. Um, I set it aside to write Finn and then I actually just recently went back to it so it's it's been in the works since I mean I have I hate to admit it but when I looked at my last time of writing it it was 2013 which is horrifying um, so basically it's about a, a young lady uh, college dropout it's you know 18 19 she's kind of a slacker she lives at the beach um, and then she starts getting these strange, um, you know, people are following her. Basically, it turns out that her, she's estranged from her dad, who's, um, who's Chinese, and he left her when she was very young. Um, so she just has a very, um, she basically has no relationship with him. And then she was told to stay away from her dad from some some shady men in her past. She didn't really understand who they were, but now that's all coming back. There, these men are back in her life. The FBI is questioning her about things she doesn't understand. So, basically, her dad's now back in her life, and she doesn't know why. And so he needs her help. 
and I'm about 58, 60,000 words into it, and I reread it, and then, you know, it's just, you know, five years, four years ago, it's, I feel like I'm almost a different writer, um, so I'm not quite sure now where, even what I want to do, if I want to make her younger, you know, I had her as 19, but do I want to write, a, you know, it could be a YA, so... I'm sort of in that, like, I'm redoing it, but I'm not quite sure now. I mean, I have the bare-bones structure of it, but now I'm sort of in that limbo of, of where I do want to really take it and, and how I want the voice and the and the character to be. So, It sounds intriguing. I mean, it sounds like something that could work as a young adult with a 16, 15-year-old girl, and that could work just as easily as a gritty, noirish sort of uh, uh, setting with a you know, 19, 20, 21-year-old. Mm -hmm. Curious to see which yeah. way you go. Yeah, um, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad place to be. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll see what happens. So um, I just yeah, I'm looking forward to to tackling it again. All right. Well, we'll get back to our conversation with Sarah M. Chen in just a couple of moments. But first, let's hear from the experts. And as always, by experts, I mean bookstore owners, particularly independent mystery bookstore owners. In this episode, once again, we're going to hear from Casey Islamoff from uh, Herringbone Books, right here in Redmond, which is uh, my adopted hometown. Redmond rocks. Hey, Casey, how you doing? Great, how are you? Did you have a recommendation for us uh, this episode? Yeah, I would like to recommend The Spider and the Fly by Claudia Rowe. This is a true story that I think any fan of mystery thriller genre or true crime especially would enjoy. And it's about a reporter interviewing a serial killer. So this is uh, true crime, not, uh, not fiction. Correct. Talk to you next time. Okay, thanks. And now we're going to head up to Seattle, to the Seattle Mystery Bookshop. Uh, we heard from J.B. Dickey in the previous episode, and we're going to hear from Fran Fuller uh, in this one. Hey, Fran. Hi, Frank. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, before we get to your recommendation this episode, uh, uh, last episode we spoke with uh, J.B. Dickey, the owner. Um, mm -hmm. You are a fixture there at Seattle Mystery <laughs> Bookshop, however. You've been there for a long time. How long has it been since you've been started there? I, You know, I'd have to go back and look through our autograph books. It's either 13 or 14 years. It was on a February 11th, and Brad Thor was signing. Well, that's, and, a, that's a pretty good <laughs> memory. <laughs> but I don't remember the actual year. I'd have to yeah. dig back and find out. Well, that's awesome. Uh, what what uh, would you like to recommend this month? Oh, today I would love to recommend Laurie R. King's latest standalone, Lockdown. It's not part of the Mary Russell series. It is contemporary, and it's absolutely Hitchcockian in its suspense. You know that something bad is going to happen because the title is Lockdown, and there's a school on the cover, so... That's not giving anything away. But, oh, man, can she build. Because up until the end, you don't know who's going to do it. It's just wonderful. And for those of us who are Kate Martinelli fans, uh, her other contemporary series, Kate makes an appearance on the phone. And 
one of my favorite characters, Brother Erasmus from the Kate Martinelli series shows up. So I had a blast with this book. It's told from multiple points of view, and that gives you insight into everybody's dark and dirty secrets. It's just wonderful. Sounds like a winner to me. Um, we'll we'll uh, have to check it out. Oh, please do. Please do. <laughs> oh, good. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Okay, sounds like a plan. Thanks, Frank. All right, you've heard from the experts, folks, and I'm here to tell you that uh, if you want something for your summer reading list, you cannot go wrong following their advice. Uh, They know their stuff, or since it's crime fiction and gritty, they know their shit. I'm sitting next to Christy right now, and she is a big bookstore fan. I am a huge bookstore fan. It's sort of an addiction, and i got to tell you, one of the coolest things is talking to somebody who loves reading as much as I do and then gives me suggestions because I'm always looking for something new, maybe try something I haven't tried before, and then, of course, getting up on what maybe came out that I didn't know about yet. So, like, maybe there's a new Frank Zafiro book out that I haven't read yet. You've got the inside track on that one. Yeah, I guess I am the first and sexiest reader, so <laughs> that wouldn't actually happen. But um, I am a little bit of a of a bookstore addict, and I love the way that they feel, and I love just being in there, and I love talking to the peeps, and they know so much, and it's great because sometimes you might think you're not really interested in a certain genre, and then they recommend a book, and they get so excited, and you see that sparkle in their eye, and so it makes you try it, and then bam, you found a new author that you're following that you love to read their stuff. Do you have a favorite bookstore that you've been in? Oh, you know, my favorite bookstore, I think, is Auntie's. In Spokane? Yeah, in Spokane. But, I mean, and now it's quite a bit smaller, unfortunately, because, you know, things have gone the way of online. Um, But I used to go sit in Auntie's. They had, it was like on the second or third floor, a huge used book section and they had and they had like window seats or sometimes I'd plop myself down right where I found a book and just I mean because you know I was a single mom trying to make do and I could find some pretty cheap books and and it was huge it was a huge area and I would just spend I mean literally hours in the bookstore that was my thing I'd get a babysitter and I'd go to the bookstore because that's just how boring I was (laughs) I don't think there's anything boring about that um, yeah, bookstores are awesome, and especially the independent ones where the people that are working there, I mean, they just they pour their heart and soul into those places. Um, actually, uh, that makes for a good segue because uh, Sarah M. Chen has worked at bookstores and as a bookseller, and so let's get back to our conversation with Sarah. So I got my bachelor's at UCLA in communications, um, and then when I went to get my master's, um, they had different focuses, and so then I focused on TV film. It just, it helped me actually with reading a lot of stories, and, and actually my, I took a creative writing class in grad school, and it was writing short stories, and that actually sort of, I think was sort of the launching point of, of me enjoying, um, of writing short stories, because I never... I mean, I did a little writing here and there, but I always thought I wanted to write a screenplay, and I did. Um, it was terrible, but 
um, I just remember like that out of all my classes, that was my favorite class was this was this creative writing short story class. Well, then so college we were, worked, right? Yeah, it helps, yeah it helps so you find your way. It wasn't totally uh, useless. <laughs> the right now you're you're working as an independent as an indie bookseller. Is that still the case? Yes. It's Mysterious Galaxy, so they do have a store in San Diego, which has been there for, I don't know, 25 years, I think. Um, and then they opened a store in Redondo Beach, um, but in 2013, it, it closed. So, But it's still open as far as doing off-site events, launch parties, um, conferences. So basically, I just go out and sell books at various events. Um, I mean, for any type of book event from, I worked like a, I don't know, it was like a dairy and egg convention in Disneyland Hotel um, <laughs> to, I don't know, it was like an erotica convention. So yeah, I'm just, I just drive all over Southern California and sell books <laughs> at these random places. That, that's a pretty big stretch from milk and eggs to boobies, you know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it says you're also a private investigator assistant. That's gotta be, well, what, what does the assistant part mean? So basically my boss is, it's, it's in the insurance industry. So he's an insurance adjuster. He's also licensed to be a private investigator. So I work for him. I'm not licensed, so I'm, you know, I'm not a PI, but I work for him and I've done things that a PI would do. Like what? So, but there it's like 90% mundane. <laughs> it's like background checks. Basically, most of our clients are insurance insurance companies that we worked for. Um, they insured tractor trailer companies. Um, big rigs. So we did a lot of big rig, like tractor trailer accidents, uh, cargo thefts. Um, so one time our insured, his, um, his driver stole the, the tractor, the tractor trailer. So we knew he was a gambler. So my boss, and he was a local, so my boss sent me to the local uh, Hustler Casino and just like stake out the parking lot and look for uh, a big rig and look for our the guy's big rig which it wasn't there but so i just sit there at the hustler parking lot for for a few hours hustler as in the, the hustler magazine? casino oh. yeah there's a hustler casino and I you and you hung out in the parking lot looking for a big rig yeah so i did that um i've gone through people's mail to see if somebody lived there um, I did you just confess to a felony on on my show? Do I have to edit that out? I think I might have. <laughs> <laughs> just after I'm a victim of mail fraud, right? Yeah, irony. <laughs> I know it's all karma. <laughs> uh, I didn't so... steal the mail. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> oh. I put it back. Did you do, do you get ideas though from your private investigator? Uh, association there do, do things pop up that uh, plant seeds yeah definitely there's a few short stories that I wrote and um, that were based on claims that we actually worked characters you know people that I took statements from um, inspire me um, actually the most recently the the story that I had just published in the latest sisters in crime LA's anthology last resort my story called nut job was based on a claim that we worked on last year that involved um, a big theft ring involving um, stolen nut cargo. So there's this big 
I mean, these nut heists are huge. There's. You're um, kidding me. <laughs> no, the, and nuts are really valuable on the black market. I mean, a, a, what a kind load. Of nuts? Like, uh, well, pistachios are worth the most. If you get a load of pistachios, that could be um, half a million dollars. Um, walnuts, almonds, um, those are worth uh, maybe 100000 150 And so our guy, our insured, he had this, um, he had his nut cargo. He was hauling. He went and picked it up, and he was hauling it to, this happened mostly in uh, Tulare County. I mean, it was so bad, Tulare County, the sheriff, they had to form a special nut cargo nut heist task force to, to handle this because it was so rampant and yeah our guy he was driving along and he was just delivering his load of nuts and he got a, a text from supposedly the broker but it wasn't the broker it was these crooks and they said you know oh by the way your delivery destination has been changed drop off your cargo in this in this uh, alley so he goes to this random alley and drops off his nuts, and he says, oh, you know, can I invoice, or I need money. You know, he's supposed to get paid upon delivery. And they said, oh, send us a, a bill. And of course, he sends them a bill, and he never hears from them again. And, then, and he does it the next day. He did it two days in a row and had to report two cargo loads of stolen nuts. <laughs> how do you, how do you, like, with a straight face, call up the cops and say, somebody stole my nuts. I mean, I just, <laughs> I how do you do that? <laughs> wow. Uh, I never, pistachios, huh? Hmm. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. Yeah, very, uh, it's very valuable. And it's hard, you know, you can't, it's hard to trace them. Yeah, it's not like so. they have serial numbers, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I, I wanted to get around to talking about uh, uh, events that you are, uh, have been in. I made a... A boo-boo. I looked up the Anthony Award nominations, and I screwed up Angel's novella. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, Angel. He was nominated for No Happy Endings, which is not a Blackie Jaguar novella, so I just, on the record, have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, it's a great title. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you met uh, the other people that you're nominated with? I mean, you said one of them's your neighbor. and yeah. Um, well, I know Steve, um, Steve, uh, well, SW Lawton, um, he's, he's a local and he's at various events. So I've known Steve, um, a few years and then I met Angel, uh, a couple times or maybe, yeah, at, at different conferences, um, uh, Bowser Con. The only one I don't know is I don't think I've met VK Stevens. So, but yeah, so I do, I do know majority of them. And you meet a lot of other a lot of other authors at these uh, Noir at the Bar events. Have you been to many of those? Yeah, well, that's where I met you, right? Yeah, it is absolutely. <laughs> I was hoping you'd remember. <laughs> of course, of course, I remember. That was that was a lot of fun, and I'm going to be going back out there in a month. I saw that. What's the date on that? It's like the. It's August fifth. Is it going to be in the same place or someplace different? It's different. I guess they're holding it regularly at this hotel, Sorrento. Are oh. you familiar? I, you know, I'm really not. I didn't spend much time in Seattle. But the place yeah, they had at the time that you and I were both there was super cool. I mean, it was, I loved it. Yeah, it was down in this. Uh, it was a regular kind of bar up, up top. But then you would go down these stairs to this almost like 
prohibition era like speakeasy sort of setup down there with the brick walls and the old wood and mm-hmm. uh, very intimate quarters. I mean, you could hear you know people they they gave us microphones, but I think I think we probably could have read without them and and still been okay. Yeah, yeah, that place was great. I think it was Alibi Room. Yeah, the Alibi Room. It's right there by the gum wall. The mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I met Danny Gardner there and Bill. Or Will Vajaro there for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was there? Michael uh, Poole was, he's the host. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ingrid Thoft was there, I think. Ingrid Thoft. Um, uh, Robert Dugani. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked for with him for a while. Uh, Brian Thornton read from his, uh, uh, yeah. the, his work in progress. Um, I remember when you read, one of the things I was struck by, the pa- the passage that you read, I thought was, like pretty sexually charged if i remember right like finn was, <laughs> i mean am i remembering this right like finn was like dealing with this girl and there's there's you know it was it wasn't raunchy but he he definitely had something you know one thing on his mind and and then it didn't work out too well for him so uh, yeah it was the boat scene when yeah. he's trying to uh, seduce um seduce ronnie ronnie's the young woman who ends up going missing but things don't really work out but yeah i do remember I remember reading from that. I, I guess I don't know if people were just surprised that someone like me is is reading this, you know, like <laughs> bad language or something. I don't know. It but... wasn't that bad. I mean, uh, my, mine was had some bad language, and so did uh, some of the others. You know, I mean, it was it was pretty well across the board when you looked at all the writers. But uh, that's maybe what was... I thought. Maybe yeah. yeah. And I remember like I think Danny Gardner even was just like whoa, and you know my mom's here or it was like his aunt was there or something. And I just thought, you know, everybody else was cursing and saying, right. you know, and here I am, like, I'm, you know, what, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. are you guys yelling at me? Yeah. No, I thought it was good. I, I, I remember being a little bit, uh, not shocked or anything, but a little bit surprised. I wonder if the, some of the surprise comes from the fact that you're narrating that you're narrating this, but Finn is a male voice and, you know, he was very much a dog in the way he was looking at things. I mean, he was very, you know, he wasn't uh, exactly respectful. Uh, he was objectifying Ronnie for sure. And and then, you you know, you th- throw that in. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we're yeah. all just a bunch of prudes. And if you're not a 45 or 55 year old white guy with a cigar, you can't say fuck or pussy. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I yeah, be. that's what I'm wondering. Because, um, I mean, it doesn't seem to be, that wasn't, you know, an isolated case. It, it seems to happen for me. So I don't know if I, I look a certain way or people expect me to be, I don't know, prim and proper or something. I, I don't know, but I'm I'm not. <laughs> Have you found yourself having different experiences than your male counterparts? Or are we getting to a better place where that doesn't happen as much? I think it's getting better. I mean, I, I've I've discussed this with with um, friends, you know, who are also who are also writers, and and it does seem to be very much a boys' club. But it seems to be getting better, and I feel like there's more effort now to include more uh, female crime fiction writers, and there seems to be more female crime fiction writers anyway, and mm-hmm. which is great. So it's, but yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's a little, you know, I'll, I'll be the only female at a, at some crime fiction or some noir event. There's definitely room for, 
you know, embracing more female crime fiction writers. And, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's getting better. If you were looking up to particular writers uh, in the field, who, who would those be? I didn't read much crime fiction until probably I started working for my insurance adjuster, my private investigator boss. Um, I mean, I read a little bit of, I read some Ed McBain and Donald Westlake when I worked at this literary agency. What, for just for fun or what? Well, they were actually our clients. Oh, um, wow. I worked for this literary agent. Um, it was right after college. It was uh, right out of UCLA. I ended up working at this talent literary agency on Sunset Boulevard, um, thinking, you know, hey, I'm going to do the nine to five thing. And I lasted, I think, a year there. <laughs> But, um, but you got to read the yeah, I just read. and Ed McBain. I mean, that's a good year. Yeah, it was great. I mean, his whole office was just filled with books. Um, so he held, he dealt with rights, you know, if they wanted to option these books for movies, he handled those rights. So I just, you know, I read all these McBain novels and Westlake and, you know, I thought, oh, these are great. And then I, um, over the years, and I ended up working for my boss, the insurance guy, and I started reading uh, Tony Hillerman and Patricia Highsmith, who I just, um, you know, I just gobbled up all the Ripley novels. I worked at the Mystery Bookstore in Westwood years ago. It was a great little store, and that's when I really was introduced to all kinds of writers that I'd never even heard of. I worked there with um, Bobby and Linda, and I mean, we had all kinds of writers coming in and doing signings, and, and that's when I, I fell in love with books like um, Birdman by Mo Hader was fantastic. I started digging Karen Slaughter, Denise Mina. Yeah, just writers I'd never heard of, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was it was just like this whole new world opened when I was working at the Mystery Bookstore. You know, that's when I thought, I, I would love to write this, and I don't know, I don't know if I could, but I'll try. But yeah, there's some really good, there's just some real badass just female protagonists and um you know that's what that's what i look for when you were working at the bookstore you had the opportunity to, to meet a lot of writers what was what was that experience like you know actually the very first day my first day on the job was uh ray ray bradbury was there signing. you're kidding me no i just thought you got to meet ray bradbury <laughs> yes um it was his birthday I think he came to the store every year on his birthday and did a signing. I was in awe. I mean, here's my first day at this bookstore. And, oh, you know, by the way, you know, we're having Ray Bradbury come in today. Yeah, That's it was great. Cool. Yeah, we had a birthday cake for him. He signed my book. There's a picture of me with him. He had, like, this big Band-Aid on his nose. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, yeah, so... I mean, that was fantastic. That just, um, that was, that's the best signing experience I can think of. Um, but yeah, we've had some really good ones. We had George Pelicanos. We had um, uh, Michael Connolly. My experience has been that even the big name people don't act like, you know, I'm an A-lister and you're barely a C-lister. I mean, they don't, they don't have that attitude. Pretty, it's a pretty communal thing uh, in my experience anyway. Yeah, I totally agree. Everybody's so supportive, and based on just my experiences, um, you know, we're we're all just really supportive of each other. Uh, total non sequitur, but uh, did you design your own website? I did. 
I love the way you got this badass chick with a, a red hair and a gun pointed kind of just slightly off center of pointing at the at the viewer and if you scroll down the bar scrolls up over her face too it doesn't doesn't just scroll down you know I mean it's kind of mm-hmm. neat did you ever notice that did you make that do that on purpose no I um it just that's how I mean, it's like, yeah, almost it's like just, the window is closing up on her as you scroll down. It's not. Yeah, I wish I had. Yeah, I wish I could take credit for that. But that's just sort of. You designed just your own website. <laughs> I think you could take credit. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't like, you know, I didn't make a point about having it do that. It just oh, okay. did it. So <laughs> it just it just worked out that way. But yeah, I I actually borrowed that cover. Um, I mean, I I. I asked and I got permission, but that's actually the cover from one of the Sisters in Crime anthologies I was in. The designer is um, J.T. Lindroos, um, great oh, yeah. graphic designer. Yeah. He's done a ton of covers. He did Finn, mm-hmm. um, which is so a great did, cover, by the way. Yeah, I love it, and I just I just love this cover he did for the Sisters in Crime anthology. Um, so it was for Ladies Night Anthology, and I asked him, you know, hey, I kind of want to use this on my website, you know, I'll, can I use it, and what what do I need to do? And he's like, oh, sure. So, so he let me use it, and now I've, I put it on my website, I put it on my business cards. It's definitely just, evocative. It captures a mood for sure. Yeah, it just it looks cool. You know, it's got sort of that noir kind of old school style. She's even got red fingernails, so she's. <laughs> she's, she's ready to go. So you, uh, you, you're, you're going to BoucherCon for the Anthony Awards, right? Yeah, I went to New Orleans last year, and then I went to Long Beach. Was my first BoucherCon. Oh, you gotta go when it's in your backyard. Yeah, definitely. Although it's almost a bad thing because I only was there for two days, and my head just wasn't in it because a lot of the times I was, I had to work, so. I didn't really, I didn't stay at the hotel, you know, I just drove because mm-hmm. it's so close, but then I kind of wasn't really like in the whole Bowser Khan moment. Mm-hmm. So it just, um, and I just felt overwhelmed. It was my first Bowser Khan and it just, I'm used to the more intimate, smaller conferences. Yeah, I've never been, so I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, how, how it'll be. I mean, you said you're overwhelmed. It's that big mm-hmm. or there's just so many things going on? Yeah, it's... Uh, it just, it's just big. It just was like, you know, all these people and I just, I guess I get overwhelmed easy. So I, I had to go to my, I actually did get a hotel room one night because I had to get up super early for something. I think, I guess I had an early panel or something. I can't remember why, but I did get a hotel room, but I just, I had to escape to my hotel room and sort of play hooky one night because I just couldn't handle it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people and it's just a lot of talking and networking and mm-hmm. um, but I mean in New Orleans I I just you know I was fully invested in it and immersed in it and it was just one of the best experiences ever so um, I've been to a left coast crime in so is that more what you when you say yeah. uh, smaller ones is that kind of what you were talking about yeah it's smaller I don't feel as um, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like I can handle that more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's great to, you know, especially being on social media, you, you know a lot of writers through Facebook or, you know, whatever, but to actually go physically meet them face-to-face at these conferences is, 
it's really cool. Are people usually what you think they're going to be when you've uh, met them face to face, or or does it hit or miss? Um, no, usually it's 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 really great. It's they're exactly you know you feel like you know them. You feel like even though you're just meeting for the first time, you feel like you're old friends. So kind of cool um, in a way, isn't yeah. it? Like, it is. Uh, we have we have a lot of friends in common. I think you and I. I mean, uh, but one of them. Uh, uh, is Eric Beatner, and you mm -hmm. know Eric, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He's here's a guy that I, that has designed you know eight or nine book covers for me. We've written three books together, three books. Wow. <laughs> and we've never even talked on the phone. Wow. Everything that we've done has been through either email or you know Facebook or or, or whatever. And but. I love the guy. I mean, he's like the nicest guy I've never met. I mean, I consider him a friend, and yet we've never <laughs> even talked. You and I have talked more than him. I mean, I've met you in person, and we're doing this conversation, and, and yet, I, you know, I'm, I've known this guy for years now. It's just the, the strangest thing. It's uh, it's true of a couple of people I've, I've written books with, and so I'm glad wow. to hear that usually they're who you think they are when you meet them because – It'd be terribly disappointing if it were otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you finally meet them after all these years. Like, you know what? I just really don't like you. <laughs> yeah, that would suck, you know? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Lest I'm not have to defriend you or we can't write books anymore together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've been a very interesting person to talk to. And uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Well, I appreciate it, Frank. Thanks so much for asking me. And um that was a lot of fun. And so that's our interview with Sarah M. Chen. A pretty cool person, Christy. Yeah, she seems very nice, very genuine, uh, down to earth. I remember when you said that you met her at the Noir, at the bar in Seattle, that you really enjoyed, um, really enjoyed the time that you got to speak with her. And I remember you saying, too, that you thought it was pretty cool how she was reading, you know, from a, the male point of view um, and you know having it via a male narrator written by a female and um, and I thought that was pretty cool too because you know you don't see that a lot I mean it seems like you see more the other way you know but not even that as much you know but I just remember growing up that it seemed like if it's a female author it was a female character and male author male character so yeah I still think that's the most common but she definitely carried it off um, and then when I read Cleaning Up Finn uh, it you if it didn't say Sarah M Chen on the cover, if it said Sam Chen on the cover, you you would not have questioned that it was written by a man. As far as the ability to capture a male voice, I think it speaks to the universality of of people. You know, I mean, if you can if you can get over those differences between the genders and and just write about what those commonalities are, it's going to ring true. So she did a pretty great job. Yeah, but it's also kind of I mean seriously. You know, if you're going to write something and you got to write it like a dude, you got to think like a dude, you know, and that's not necessarily easy for everybody. Right, right. I'm just saying that there's more in common than there are separate things. And so if you can figure out what those things are that are different and then get past them, then the stuff that's common is it's common. It's, right. you know, it's, right. yeah, I do. I do think it takes some effort for sure. I mean, I, I write a couple of female characters and, and I definitely put some effort into trying to think like a woman and channel my inner chick, so to speak. And I think you do a really good job of channeling well, your inner chick. Well, thank you. 
so let's let's move on to our uh, flash forward questions with the next episode guest. Let's find out a little bit more about Larry Kelter. Larry Kelter, what city do you live in now? I live in Hopak, a city uh, that most people cannot pronounce. Favorite writer? Nelson DeMille. Favorite movie? My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Favorite TV show? How about Ray Donovan? I like Ray Donovan. Do you have a nickname? No. <laughs> well, I, I have a pet name my wife calls me, but I can't mention that on in public. <laughs> <laughs> what are you working on right now? For psychological thriller that I haven't titled yet. Uh, what hobby do you have that has nothing to do with writing? Uh, I love cars. I'm a real motorhead. Favorite sport? Uh, at the moment, tennis. I'm still ambulating well enough to play tennis. Favorite musician? Uh, gotta be Eric Clapton. I've been listening to Clapton since I'm 12 years old. Five second advice to aspiring writers. Never give up. Where would you like to go that you've never been? Royal Albert Hall. What's your favorite quote? Okay, this is an Einstein quote. Before God, we are all equally wise and equally foolish. Cool. And that, my wrong place right crime friends, is everything you would ever want to know about Larry Kelter. What do you think, Frank Zafiro? Larry's a cool dude. I had a good time writing uh, a couple different books with him and, and uh, uh, actually was pretty pretty excited when he approached me about our first book together um so it you know i've been really lucky in my collaborations that i've always had good partners and so that's been been pretty cool so i'd like to thank uh, sarah m chen for coming on the show it was a great interview um we'll be interviewing larry kelter on the next episode and i also want to thank down out books as always for being the sponsor and casey islamoth from herringbone books here in my adopted hometown of redmond oregon for her recommendations and then up at the Seattle Mystery Bookshop in Seattle, Washington. As always, the Fran, Fran Fuller had a great recommendation. Um, and we will see you again in two weeks. Until then, this is Frank Zaffaro reminding you. Sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime.